So our theme for this month is soul winners. Oh, you, you don't look like winners to me right now, so I'm trusting. All right. So before I get started, listen to this quickly. Let me just get this off my heart. So normally, if, if it's my time to preach, like this Sunday morning about 2 o'clock, I would wake up. And then, yeah, I would just start praying for the church, praying for the word, which I have already, by the way. But obviously, I would just keep carrying on and praying. So last night, just as I closed off and I spent a bit of time with the Lord, I said, Lord, please, is there any chance that I can sleep well, you know? So this morning I woke up, my thumb was a bit funny. I don't know why. I don't know if I was sleeping like a baby. So I woke, uh, I met Richard outside. I said, hey, Richard. He asked me, Ben, how are you? I said, awesome. I slept through the whole evening. I slept through, you know, no waking up. How was your you know, how did you sleep? Well, I, was, I woke up at 2 o'clock this morning. I couldn't sleep. So thank you for standing in for me. Now, here's the other thing. So, so normally you, you would ask God, I say, Lord, I need a sign sometimes, you know, that, it's, that I need to be here today. So normally we have like a carpool. It's me, Richard, Andre. So Richard is one of our elders. Andre is one of his leading our intercessory team. But so the negotiation from my side would be, I would pick you up. But when I drive, I need all my lights green. All the robots need to be green. Well, they weren't with me this morning when I tell her when I drove out coming to church, all my lights were green. So it must mean something. Amen. So let's, let's give God all the praise. And, you know, it's so amazing. And thank you for, um, for the privilege of, of just sharing my heart and what God has placed on my heart with you. Now, our lead scripture for this month of uh, September is Proverbs 11, verse 30, and it says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. Who wants to be wise? I think in all areas, we want to be like Solomon. He's someone that stood out for me, you know, all the decisions, everything that he made was wise. It was godly wisdom. Now, if anyone ever tells you that, Wisdom has been chasing you, but you're too fast. It's not a compliment. Can I say it again? If wisdom has been chasing you, but you're too fast, it's not a compliment. It will get, I'm sure it will get to the second service. Anyway, anyway. But as Pastor Larry said last week, you know the amazing thing is... <clears throat> When you got saved, God already had someone else in mind. If I think about my own life, the people that I could plant seeds into their life, Pastor Larry wouldn't be able to meet them, or you might, wouldn't either. So each and every person, every one of us that has been called into salvation, into the kingdom of Christ, we have that opportunity, privilege, if I can say it like that, to plant a seed, lead someone into salvation. And that's what soul-winning discipleship is. If you really care about someone, why not? I'll get into that a little bit later. Now, Revelations 3 verses 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. You know, in the old days, in the ancient days for all the kids here, they didn't have peepholes or CCV TV cameras or, uh, you know, anything. You, you needed to know someone's voice. 
before you opened the door because it was, in a sense, quite dangerous in the old days. And this, this speaks into my heart, this hear his voice. You know, when you have that, not the religion, the relationship with Christ, you're going to hear his voice, amen? <laughs> it will stand out for you. So when we open our hearts to Jesus, he not only recreates us, but he generates us. And how would you say, you know, in Titus 3 verse 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which ye have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us through the washing of generation and renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's not on my notes, but verse 7 says, So that having been justified by his grace, we can have the hope of eternal life. You know, we, you and I, if you want to see it like that or not, we are ambassadors. What people see, when people see me, because I'm involved with Rama South Coast Family Church, they see Rama South Coast Family Church. And how are your ambassadoring skills when it comes to that? And I don't want you to sharpen up, but you know what? There's an amazing thing, and I'll get into that later in my teaching. When you just have compassion on people, that's all. If you have compassion for people, if you love them, it makes it so much easier. I'm not worried about their mistakes. <laughs> I'm not worried about what they're doing, good or great or not so great. But when I have compassion, it sets, it sets me up to love someone and to see a child of God. Either believer or non-believer. Amen. So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, I'm jumping a bit my scriptures here. It says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though Christ were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for me and you. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now keep in the back of your head or in the back of your mind, John 14 verse 19, this, the later part, it says, it's a promise. It says, because I live, you will live. Amen. Now, I want to just share something with you. Um, I think I did a few times already. Listen to the, uh, just look to the person next to you and tell them it's going to get better. Don't worry, it's not his first time. <laughs> Um, I want to share, and I think I have a few times in, in, in different parts of it, but a very dear friend of ours passed away uh, a while ago of cancer. And uh, we, we've known him for about 18, 18 years. And about seven, eight years ago, um, they're staying in Rustenburg, Joburg, now in Kailami. But anyway, um, they came down, and that's when she got the news. And she shared, and she said, I've been, <laughs> I don't know. It, I think this might be my last holiday. And uh, we were already born again. They were not. So we shared some of the things that were on our hearts. And, you know, you can, you can take out a Bible, and you can start reading scriptures, or you can just really speak into people's lives, you know. Just be honest. People see fake people far from away. And I told her, I said, you know what? Just do me a favor. Whatever you're doing, just don't do it alone. And I, don't, I didn't tell her, do it with Jesus. I just told her, don't do it alone. 
And she said, well, I've got my husband. And I said, still I'm saying to you, don't do it alone. Well, eight years later, they came to visit, visit us a few months before she passed. I think it was two or three months before. And we had a great time. And she made me promise that I would do the service for them, um, for her when she, when she passed. And that's never a nice thing if you're a pastor. <laughs> it's better this. Not the funeral service. But, you know, we, we've spent some great time with them, uh, you know, the last few days that they were here. And uh, we could really speak into her heart. And she had, she had peace. She had, there was nothing, nothing lacking anymore. I think from her side, she was just tired of the fight now, you know. But, so as we drove uh, for, the, for the funeral, and we were so busy, we, we actually drove up the morning did the, uh, slept over, did the funeral the, that uh, following day, and drove back again. I think we came back one or two o'clock. But anyway, as we left and we got, you know, as we drove down, and this is, this is what I want to say to you, you know, I had, although I lost an amazing friend, and, and I, I want to honor her in this, I had so much peace and joy in my heart. Because I knew she was a cry, a born-again believer. I knew that she was safe. She was not fighting that pain anymore. She was not going through all the horrible things that the life and the world was throwing at her. And you know, that gave me so much um, peace in my heart. <laughs> so later that evening we got there and we were tired and uh, we slept over at one of her daughter's uh, homes. And, uh, you know, we, we just spoke a little bit and we found out, you know, you know how they are take, handling this and, you know, where can we stand in for them. And uh, as we went on and went on, this daughter said something that shook me to my core. <laughs> she said to me, well, she said to us, my mom lost. And that didn't sit well with me. Now, when you want to say something, don't. So I didn't say anything and I left it. And, and obviously we had compassion on the family, you know, with the loss. But here's my thing. A Christian doesn't lose. <laughs> a believer can't lose. That loss should not even be in your vocabulary. Sorry to say that. You might not feel that way. But when you are a Christ-following believer, you can't lose. You can bet on yourself. So obviously, I had my whole uh, funeral message prepared, and everything just turned around like that. And I said, no, no, no. I'm not going to handle my, my friend's service with family thinking that she lost. In my, in my book, she didn't lose at all. She won. She fought her battle well. She conquered. She came through it all. And that's it. And I will not. And I tell you, that morning... I took about three or four pages out of my sermon, kept it to one side, and I just started preaching. It was my first time I had to preach in Afrikaans in my mother tongue. And I tell you, there was a power and anointing that morning that lives were touched. And you know, that's it, because we can't be in Christ feeling we losers when we're actually winners. You can't. You know, the word, the word loss doesn't belong in any Christian's vocabulary. Philippians 3.10 says, That I might know him 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And because he lives, we are more than conquerors. Don't do it alone. You know, the definition to overcome to take con- is to take control over something. I'm sure you m- must have taken control over something already in your life. I'm sure that there's quite a few other things that I still need to control over my life. But there's no losers in that. Revelations 3.21 says, To him who overcome, it's not in my notes, To him who overcome, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. Does it speak about losing anything? No. But here's the thing, you know, and it's something that I'm trying to learn myself. Leonette, she's, she's quite well with that. But when we, when we hear people speak... That's the easy part. But do we really listen to the heart of what they're saying? And I'm saying it in a good way. Because sometimes words just doesn't come out the right way. But when you understand the heart of someone, it can save you quite a lot of fights. I can tell you that. (laughs) You know, she told me, so Londi told me she was ready and she had peace to meet meet her maker. She was at peace and she fought enough now you know but one thing she said to me that stood out was her heart went out for children and I told her hey Lundy they're already big you've trained them well they're all good so I heard what she said but I'd never listened and that evening when this uh, daughter of her said my mom lost the battle suddenly the penny dropped you see she wasn't worried about her kids living carrying on with their lives without her She was worried about how her kids would carry on their lives without Jesus. Because that's the one that brought her through the whole time. That she could hold on, that firm foundation. (laughs) You know, that's a true, honest and genuine mother's heart or a parent's heart. I'll do the fighting, just leave my kids alone, eh? So why am I telling you this? You see, because... In that moment when you step out, winning a soul, discipling someone, we tend to see the now. And we don't normally or usually think about the end result. You were blessed. Pay it forward. (laughs) Be a blessing. You know, we, we sometimes just don't take in consideration that you are changing actually someone else's destiny. It's one of the most precious gifts, that hope of heaven. And when that person receives Christ, oh. you see, we think we see people sometimes so much, we treat them on face value. This one daughter of her, she, she went to church, grew up in church, sang songs, knows the word, prayed. <laughs> But taken on face value, she hasn't won the race yet. Not accepted Christ. Not reached the goal yet. Taken on face value, not there yet. Paul says in Philippians Philippians 1, 23 to 25, he says, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that 
that I remain in the body. Listen to verse 25, and it says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue. Here we get it. Now we're getting to the heart of it. With all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. It's not always about us. If it can be rather about someone else. You see, Paul knew his purpose and following Christ and winning souls was one of the top things on his list. It gave his life a purpose and it gave his life a fulfillment. And as you know, he wrote two-thirds of the Bible, so he moved mightily in his calling. And when you move in God's calling, you are a success. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, you're successful. I want to ask you this. As a parent or a grandfather, grandmother, isn't one of the most precious things for you to lead your children into Christ? Instead of saying, standing there at the grave, instead of saying my husband or my wife or my mother or my grandmother lost, you can say, no, 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 no. My mother, my wife, my husband, he won. Thank you, Jesus, that you are my rock, that you are my foundation, that you are unmovable, that you are unshakable, not faced by storms, but by what is Jesus faced? By people. <laughs> In Matthew 9.36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Why was Jesus moved with compassion? Because it says there in verse 38, uh, well it carries on, it's because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. In today's life, not a good friend, not someone that cares about you spiritually. You know, I had some good, I had some good friends, I had some bad friends, but how do you really... What's the level on how you think about what would be a good friend be for you? It's always nice if they give you a pat on the back and say, wow, that was well. You did it great. Oh, that was awesome. But what about the times when they can pat you on the back and say, hey, you need to get things in order. I can see this is not right. What you're doing to that person is not right. This and this. That's real friends. Honest heart. The heart. That's where we get our scripture from, Matthew 9, 38. It says, truly the harvest field are plentiful, but the labors are few. You know, I love Matthew 16, 18. Am I going too fast for you guys? I slept well, eh? So I'm... <laughs> Matthew 16, uh, 18 says, and I tell you, Peter... And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail... You know, I think sometimes I want Jesus to say, hey, I tell you Ben, <laughs> I tell you Lunette, I tell you Andre, on this rock I will build my church. On, who's Jesus, on who will Jesus use to build his church? Us. <laughs> Not Pastor Larry. Yes, he is. But he can't bear that burden all on his own. We need to take some of that away from him. Yeah? When we start to take responsibility and just having compassion on people. Ah, oh, things change, guys. I love how Paul said in Philippians 3.14, he says, I press on towards. 
I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Now, I tell you, when you read the scripture, it actually bounces out to you. It's not a lucker press. It's not lucker. You can see that he's pressing, he's grudging, he's like, he almost doesn't want to say even the word, I press on. But here's the thing, I've never seen, and I will never see, and I declare it right now in Jesus' name, a believer lose. Winners are, believers are winners through Christ Jesus. So, you might say, oh, well, you're teaching so, so deliciously this morning. But I'm sure you must have lost a few things. Yes, I did. I did lost quite a few. I actually lost a quite, quite a lot of anger. <laughs> I lost quite a bit of resentment. I lost quite a bit of unforgiveness. I lost quite a bit of fear. I lost quite a bit of being condemned. I even lost my sin. And I would gladly lose that any day. Philippians 3 verse 7, it's not on my notes, says, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider everything a loss for the sake of Christ. And I love how he says it almost like in Afrikaans English, I consider them rubbish. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. When we start kicking out those rubbish bags and saying, that's not for me. Here's the thing, I think all of us actually have quite a few other things that we still need to lose and working on. That's me. Matthew 16.25 says, For whoever wants to save their lives will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. You know, I think for me, I want to travel light as I grow older. No unnecessary baggage. No negative emotions or feelings. Because when you have a winner's attitude, you're going to start behaving like a winner. And when you start behaving like a winner, people see that. I love, I love Kurt. Or he's, got a, he's a perfect example of someone with a winning attitude. He always smiles. He always has a funny joke. When, when you're in his, uh, with him, he always makes you feel good. Not that my wife doesn't. But come on. You know, it attracts people. And when you start attracting people, they're going to say, Hey, Uncle Harold, you're smiling. What's different about you? I've got Jesus, buddy. Who do you have? Amen? You see, in my younger days, I had experienced and tasted actually a lot of fruits of the Spirit, which you all know about, but only in small measures, small dosages. So my joy, my peace, my kindness, all those things were only short-lived. Now, the problem with that is if you only have a little bit of joy, if you only have a little bit of love, if you only have a little bit of peace, there's nothing for you to share. Your container is already empty. There's nothing left for it. So it couldn't be a lifestyle. No fruit, no light, no salt. You're just a bland oak, a bland person. Say bland. No, no, say bland. Does it sound nice? No, it's rather that you be the light of this world, the salt of the earth. You bring that extra spice into it. Just that little bit of Indian delicacy. That, it's, it's coming there. Wait for it. it will, oh. By the way, I love Indian cuisine. You know, I think 
what we battle as people the most is, and I'm speaking about all these negative emotions and things that we attract to ourselves. You know, it's almost like a magnet sometimes. But when you think about it, we're really not created to harvest anything of that. Adam and Eve were in paradise. They were created like Christ, like God. So God doesn't have fear. God doesn't have sin. God doesn't have resentment. And that's, that's why we're fighting every day because we, we weren't designed to harbor any of those emotions. That's why Christ kept, keep on saying, follow me. Win new souls. Make new disciples. Because when you get on the other side of that river, you'll be a tree of life. Amen? You're all still with me? Right, so let's get to the most, one of the things. You know, I think one of my biggest things that I've lost was, you can take it, was my fear to change. Changing some of my ways. Changing some of my habits. And I'm not saying to change all, because otherwise then it's not going to work. But when we start to see, I need to change a little bit of this. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, I need to change my program so I can be here on Wednesday evening with a destiny class. No, no, say, I declare you come on the destiny class on Wednesday. You know, hard to change and follow Jesus. And while doing that, listen, while doing that is pressing on. The more the world pushes, the more you push back in Jesus' mighty name. The more the world throws this at you, the more you throw it back to him with uh, interest. Amen. You know, Jesus said, just before he was taken captive, he was praying and he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Not mine, but yours will. Why? Because actually, God's will is perfect for our lives. And catch this, it's not always perfect. Uh, It's not always comfortable, but it's perfect. And you know, when we say, let your will be done, Lord, what you're saying is, this situation that I'm fighting with, that I'm busy with, struggling with, it's actually nothing. Because your will is, is perfect. I see the end result. I want to see the end result that you're giving me. You know, when we start to become eternity-minded, we won't catch on to all these worldly things. I want to see your glory, God. I don't want to be short-sighted anymore in life. Because when you look at the end product, that amazing eternal life that we have, heavenward, looking heavenward, isn't that a blessing on its own? But here's the thing, I think for me, two things that's, that stood out for me that separated mankind, and uh, you're probably not going to like it, is our, our will and obedience. If you look through the whole Old Testament, it started with Adam and Eve. Yes, the enemy was there. He was there to just give them a little bit of a nudge. But still, it was their will to decide. And it was still for them to be obedient and not being disobedient. You know, it might seem like harsh words, Harsh words, but here's the thing. There's no halfway house to heaven. You're either in it or you're out. There's, there's no halfway house to hell even. 
they either in or out. You were created to be greatness because of Jesus. Luke 10 verse 19 says, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. You know, when we get to the stage where we can say, hey, I'm in a covenant with Christ Jesus, a covenant which no man can break, nothing can contaminate, nothing can separate me from that. I have a covenant with a loving God that cares about me abundantly. A God that looks further than all your shortcomings every day, and he does it over again tomorrow again, and we call it grace. You know, when we humble ourselves before the Lord, how do you humble yourself? Say, Lord, I just can't do it without you. I'm lost without you. The beautiful thing is when you know your weakness and you know who's your strength, you can start carrying on. Know your weakness, but know who's your strength. You know, we want God to change. Or we want God, we want God to change for us. But God can't. Many have, have fought that way to change God's ways for them. And it's a losing battle. I love what Reinhard Bonnke said. He said, it's not about your uh, ability. It's about your availability. And he said, all that you have to do is just say yes. You know, one of the most curious things for me, can I be honest with you? One of the most curious things for me in my youngest day was to, to go out to someone and speak to them about Jesus. Because most of the time they would just throw the Bible back at you or the track. This is not what I desire. This is not my needs for now. Anyone been like that? But, and thanks for the Holy Spirit that changed things in me because I was so focused on giving them a Bible, telling them about Jesus. But I wasn't interested about them. And the moment when I started having compassion on that person, hey, who are you? Where are you coming from? Why are you here? What's happening in your life? How can I pray for you? How can I know someone that can make a difference in your life? And when you start caring about people, suddenly you start building a relationship. You you start building a bond. Just don't do it alone. In Matthew 16, 26, it says, For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and He will reward each person according to what they have done. You know, we sometimes so scared of Judgment Day, but it's actually going to be <laughs> reward time. Go read up about the five heavenly crowns. Jesus will reward you on your good works. He can't reward you on your sin because He already covered that. It's wiped clean. Does it make sense what I'm trying to say? So that, it gives us that extra step into the right direction. Say, hey, I've got everything already prepared for me. I've got the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. I can go forward. I can just touch someone's life for a moment. Amen. That's what I want to say. Are you eternity minded? 
I'm almost finished. So, can I touch on something small here quickly? So we are a congregation, but now we're just switching over quickly to a family, a family meeting. Can I do that? Just for two minutes. Why is it so easy for us that we stand on God's promises, His Word? We declare and we need it and we use it every day for our victories, for our successes. We pray for healing. We declare God's Word over healing for our lives, for victories, for salvation, whatever. But when it comes to the commands that say, go out and make disciples, it's like, oh, whoa, that's not for me. That's the outreach team. Uh, they need to handle that section of, uh, of this ministry. I'm just saying. Back to congregation mode. So, what stood out for me, and I want to give you a few pointers, is um, I, want to, I just want to give you four uh, points that you can use maybe in soul winning, or f- four examples. So, Paul was a stance advocate um, and practitioner of disciple making. So what I like about this in Corinthians nine nineteen to twenty two, it's not on, on my scripture, but five times he used the the word win. In uh, in the scriptures, now the Greek word win means kadeno, if I'm pronouncing it correct. But what that means is to gain, to acquire. And actually to win over or trading up on something. So in the ancient days they used that to, as a, as a, uh, to describe making a profit. Trading up for something better. So Paul saw himself as a great agent of Christ. And all that he wanted to do was where people were enslaved to sin, Paul wanted to lead them into forgiveness and freedom into Christ. As they were attempting their own salvation through their own works and by the law, Paul sought to win their over by the grace of the gospel. He says there, I've become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means some save some. So by saying that he had become all things to people, Paul didn't mean that he was prepared to compromise his uh, Christian character. He just displayed four essential qualities that I want to share with you in, in quickly. So the first quality that Paul had was a servant's heart. And it comes out of our mission statement as well, 1 Corinthians 9.19, where it says that he made himself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. Paul actually described himself as a bond slave. So he... He became the property of another. He became the property of Jesus, Christ's bond slave. Therefore, he made it a, a lifestyle practice to show honor and respect to any person, either believer or non-believer, to follow uh, or to win them over into faith into Christ Jesus. Amen. Point number two is Paul had an athlete's discipline. Who still works out? Well, I can see that. Uh, some of the guys. <laughs> so you need discipline to do that. And you know, um, when my son started going to school, they, uh, and with athletics and rugby and all that, they start to train them 
while they're still young, under uh, 15 or 16, they train them without weights, basically. But they give them that stance. So when they get to that age where they are allowed to use uh, heavy weights, they already know their stance. They already know how to use it, how to um, maneuver it. And the same thing with us as Christians. We need to train ourselves. We need to set a standard for ourselves where we can move and achieve. We need to set goals. That's why I think Pastor Larry and Manny and all of us are are really imploring you guys to come to our destiny classes because it's really life changing. It 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 really it lifts me up. I can there's so much wisdom in that. And you know, a Christian without knowledge is a weak Christian. Because what does the enemy do? The moment when you start speaking the word of God, he wants to come and attack you. He did it with Jesus. So when you have that knowledge, when you have that confidence that no matter what, it's amazing. Amen? So the third one is a effective soul winner has a selfless attitude. You care about someone. You have that compassion. Paul actually spoke to the Corinthians because they were quite a bit of an arrogant bunch. They were quite wealthy. And because of that, there were a lot of arrogance. They had the best preachers. They had the best this. They had the best temples. And Paul said to them, no, no, no. This is not what it's all about. It's about loving God first. Loving your neighbor second. And here's a, here's a bad one. Yourself lost. Loving God, loving your neighbor first. And then the last one is effective soul winner presents a Christ-like example. If someone doesn't like you, they're not going to talk with you. If you don't have that, that light, that shines because of Christ, you're not going to attract anyone. And I can tell you, there's a lot of people in this world that needs light, that needs salt again. What stood out for me was, you know, when Jesus came to the world, he didn't come as a king to be served. He served. And that's a perfect example for all of us. He came and he served. He made disciples, equipping them. Amen? So whether we prefer to call ourselves soul winners or disciple makers, the Lord Jesus Christ expects us all to be in the business of winning some, someone over into faith, into him. Amen. So I want to close with this. And uh, we had this over on a, just by show of hands, who uh, was with us on our encounter weekend? Ah, Awesome. So, Pastor Marius, it was Pastor Marius that spoke to us. Yeah. Uh, he said something that really stood out to me, and, and, and I want to just share that with you quickly, and then we'll uh, ask Lynette to come and do the offering. So, you all know about Simon Peter that denied Christ. And then eventually the cock crowed, and he suddenly realized, ah, oh, Jesus said I would deny him three times. And then in John 21, Jesus reinstates Peter again, but... Let's just stop there for a moment. So, under the old Roman law, if you denied someone, if I wanted to get divorced, I can just go into and deny my wife three times. And the marriage would be cancelled. If you had a, whatever reason or whatever situation, if you denied someone three times, you could cut them off. And I never really understood what was actually the significance of 
of Simon Peter denying Jesus. Now listen to this in John 21, it's where Jesus reinstates Peter. And he said, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says here, because Peter was hurt, in that moment, suddenly, the penny dropped. Hey, I denied my Lord and Savior three times. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know what happened. I don't, know, I don't think all the disciples know that he denied Christ three times. It's not something that you're going to go about and confide even with some, someone. So horrible it was. But he said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, I just want you to bow your heads. No one looking around, and this is not a salvation call. But you know what? There's something powerful when we... I think for me what stood out was that Simon Peter denied Christ, not consciously, subconsciously. And the amazing thing is that Jesus came to him and said, Hey, Peter, I'm going to reinstate you. And what I'm saying to you, this, this scripture shook me because there were quite a few times where I denied Christ. <laughs> the word says, Go. Make disciples. No, Lord, that's not for me. But I want to say to you this is, and you're not being condemned. Trust me, I'm not saying that because of that. Because, And here's the thing. We cannot be cut off from Christ because of the blood of Jesus. It's already a covenant. But what I'm going about this morning is, is coming back into that agreement again. You know, when every prophet, when every nation stepped into that agreement with Christ again, things started moving, things started changing. And if that's you this morning, if you just want to say, Lord, reinstate me back again. I want to come into agreement with everything, all your scriptures, all your commands, right now in Jesus' name. If that's you, you can just raise your hands, just say, acknowledge, and say, Lord, you know what, thank you. That I can come into agreement with you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for a sincere heart that says, yes, Lord. (laughs) That was me a few times. But I recognize and I see you now. And I'm not being condemned. I'm loved. But what I'm saying right now is I'm making a change now to change my attitude and getting into that alignment of your perfect will. I want to see the end result like that people of open doors when they were persecuted and murdered. They didn't see the moment. They saw the end result being seated with you in heaven, in your experiencing your glory. Thank you, Lord. While your heads are still bowed, if there's anyone here this morning that never made Jesus his Lord and Savior, it will be such a privilege for me to pray for you. If that's you today, if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you want to dedicate your life again by simply raising your hand, I would know I can pray for you. Is there anyone here this morning? Maybe anyone there online, if that's you this morning, I'd like to lead you just in that 
in a salvation call and a prayer. And John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus answered and he said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if that's you online this morning, wherever you're watching from all over the world, if that's you, please repeat after me and the whole congregation if you don't mind. Father God, I come to you just as I am. This morning, I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And according to Romans 10, your word says, If I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, Jesus is your Son, I will be saved. I believe He laid down His life for my sin on the cross. And that you raised him again to life. I receive Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Congratulations, you are now born again. May God bless you and keep you. Amen.